0: When was the last time you were in touch with the movement of your body? In so-called civilized society, it's the mind that's given primacy. I think, therefore I am. The body is, at best, considered a type of machine, often objectified and exploited for the entertainment and profit of others.
1: At its root, the sexual energy is not differentiated. Yeah. Right. It's just working through different bodies, so whatever your body is...
0: Meet Elkisistemeck and Peter Gray, the couple behind the independent occult press Scarlet Imprint. Besides publishing beautiful, collectible, talismanic books, they have also been writing essays about magic for the past decade. They've collected them in their anthology, The Brazen Vessel, which is out now.
1: Babylon is sex and i think it's very necessary for it to work absolutely uninhibitedly through the female body but also through the male because the male and the female together like the male the female energy when she's fully in bloom controls the male energy I love male. actually I absolutely love masculine energy in all its flavors but for that to fully be and not to be something which like just goes out of control and damages other people men and women the female energy has to be completely strong and unhindered
0: the body isn't just a vehicle to transport the mind or spirit it's an integral foundational aspect of magic Without the body and movement, we are cut off from the most primal aspect of our magic.
1: But always the focus is on Babylon because she represents this entirety of woman, including everything that was forbidden, but which is there.
0: Get instant access to the complete two-hour conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com slash witchesandwine. So, you gotta
1: ask him to zhush his hair. He's really, oh yes, he's of, upset course. If you don't, of course. He feels like he will miss out. Yeah. stuff.
0: <laughs> something needs to be. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Chawon here, and today I have these two very special guests. You guys know Alkistus. She was on my channel a couple months ago. So it's just
1: that there wasn't really a female practice. There are a few texts of um, women's Taoist practice, like solo practice and. Um, some tantric material, but it's mostly from a male perspective. So if you're looking to start working as a woman, there's almost nothing to be getting on. So for me, I just because there are no texts, I worked with the body as the text, as the, the repository of knowledge. So I always just understood it as here is where I talk to my ancestors. Here is where I, you know call the ghosts to speak to me, or to bring me messages in dreams. I'm very interested in the relationship between the
0: moving body and dream. And in between us is <laughs> Peter, and I'm just meeting Peter today. Today we are talking about many things, but especially about the new book that's coming out, mm-hmm. Brazen Vessel. the
1: Goetic spirits who are sealed by Solomon in a brazen vessel and thrown into a lake in Babylon. But it's also a brazen, a brazen vessel is a general thing, like a, a vessel made of bronze. And so also um, in Babylonian magic, the exorcists would use a, a big bronze drum, a brazen vessel, which they would use as like their primary exorcistic tool as well, as well as being a shameless woman.
0: So it's all those things. Yeah, so many layers. So, I initially yeah. thought it was about Babylon.
2: We try not to do anything that doesn't have. or three there
0: must have been a reason why you chose that name Mm. that title
2: well one of the reasons if you if you take the the goetic spirits so in the lesser key there's uh there's a whole range of spirits who've all been thrown together and have Mm -hmm. all been combined and their combination gives them their identity so in the same way the the essays and the ideas we've been working on for the past 10 11 years they're all they're all all the same kind of diverse collection of spirits. By bringing them into relation, then you start to see the connections between them all. And there's pictures. There's this one picture of
0: you, and I mean this in the most sexiest way. It's like grotesque. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it was
1: pretty primal. We've put images in to try and shed some light on the the sort of embodied aspects of what we're talking about, because it's very hard to communicate that unless you're doing it in the flesh. When those pictures were taken, I was in a very uh, Altered. altered trance state. So I was working with some very dark, archaic energies. that I could almost see it coming out yeah, of your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, in your eyes. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't me at the time. <laughs> it was she, someone... Um,
2: yeah, the artist we were working with. Um,
1: Gasp Boucher. You know,
2: Gasp Boucher. And, um, and Nadine and um, in Gas Gasp, um, who commissioned artists to come and dance in you know, it, And it's this huge cathedral-sized space in Belgium, like all painted grey and these, you know, projections all over the walls and all over Augustus while she was dancing, oh, mm-hmm. and when he saw her do it, his, his response was, I didn't think this happened in the West, mm-hmm. this kind of like um, transpossession actually functioning like within like a, a Western magical context, he'd always seen it that like it was something which context.
1: would... Because the sacred in our culture, in the West, because it's so secular, the sacred has very limited spaces to exist and also a very limited understanding of what it is. And I feel very much that as a woman, there is no space really for women to have that relationship with, that full-bodied relationship with the sacred. Mm. And so I'm also looking for other spaces. Do Can I... Can I make that connection and bring something through in a context of an art gallery? Can I do it in a, at a conference? Can I do it on stage? Can I do it in like a, an art or a performance context? Because it doesn't happen much in churches now, this, uh, this experience. Because I'm trying to connect with another energy, not to a Christian energy, but to an energy which I trace through the Whore of Babylon. So everything that was forbidden in woman and the divine feminine is represented by Babylon, for me, and so she is the mother of harlots and abominations and all of these energies which are very powerful and very rooted in sex. It's not what people were expecting at Gast's exhibition that closing night when I did that performance because art galleries are usually much more. You know we're appreciating things, mm-hmm. but um, he also works with Stephen O'Malley, who um, of Sun, mm-hmm.
0: who is
1: also similarly like full-bodied, on sort of music. So, like for example, when he was playing, I just lay down on the floor and felt the music just going through my body relentlessly. Question these boundaries between the sacred and the body and, and art and music yeah. and bring something else through. We have to find our own spaces for, for this now ourselves.
2: People generally, culturally, don't know how to read dance. It's like it's a new thing for them. I think
1: the strange thing with dance is that people can often be, I don't understand dance, but dance is actually Immediate mm. you understand it with your physical response to it. It's our primary language
0: mm-hmm. mm. And it's the
1: language that we inherited from animals animals dance. It's not like something we invented It's something we became human already doing
0: one of the essays in your book talks about that mm. the yeah. cake paintings yeah. yeah, the the upraised arms. Yeah. yeah, and actually that's probably a dance move Before language, Mm. this is how people communicate
2: it. And this is the thing that that gets lost in modern magical culture. It's like, you know, magicians danced. Magicians were dancers.
1: David David danced before the shrine for Yahweh. It's even in the Bible.
2: This is the word of the Lord of hosts. I took you from the pastures and from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel.
1: Christ danced. Jesus danced with his disciples in Gnostic gospels. It describes him doing a circle dance with him in the middle mm-hmm. and his disciples circling around him, and it's exactly and anti-clockwise. It's exactly like the witches'
2: dance. So when you see magicians like doing, you know, high ceremonial,
0: mm-hmm. and they're
2: doing their processions around the circle, or you're moving even in the circle, mm-hmm. this is this this contains dance. There is dancing magic, but it's kind of it's fallen out a little bit
1: because you know, it maybe it's not taught.
2: because because it's not taught because people are people are learning from books or people and people come from a culture where they don't move so they they don't understand that that's part of it and i think a lot of people have these primal magical experiences when they're doing things like spending extended time like dancing by themselves
0: people always talk about this when they go to raves when they go to like any yeah. sort of like EDM party
2: yeah.
0: that bait and then you get into a trap yeah. Not if you stand and just like with your like cup of no, wine. No, you have to yeah. start moving yeah. start feeling. Yeah. You have to dance. So guys, if you are busy doing your magic in somebody's basement and not going out to a club, exactly. just go to a club.
2: Yeah. Go to
0: a club and dance.
2: But the body's also, I mean, you have to look at the analysis of people like Michel Foucault and, and how how the, the body has been drilled and prepared for industrial work. So if you look at, even if you look at schooling, Like, school is not about teaching you stuff. What it's teaching you to do is to sit down at your desk, to shut the fuck up, and to do what you're told, and to be on time is training you to be a right. factory worker. Right. And if you're trained to sit down all the time, then your body, you, you shrink into yourself. And so they, they retreat into the world of the phone, and so they retreat into this very small world with a forward shoulder yeah. and a slump posture, and mm-hmm. the, the body just gradually shuts down. Not
1: just that the sitting down is abrasive on the body, and, and modern life is abrasive, but, and that dance can heal that. If you, I, I was, I'm really obsessed with the Bahraini pole divers and their music, and, what, they would work really hard out on the boats and diving for pearls and come back and work for like a long time and then when they came back they don't go home and rest, they dance and play music together and they have a very physical dance where they're like huge jumping and they go into trance.
0: Tunes produced by the different musical instrument talk to each other in a magical dialogue that exists nowhere else.
1: Through this, they heal themselves. They're not mm. tired. They bring their energy back. So, the, the the keeping still actually reduces the energy, and you have to move yeah. to raise the energy. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of rhythmic work I do, like a lot of the the shaking or the the waves, is to do with this raising of energy or quelling, quieting of energy, and it works within the body. It works with objects. You can you can enliven, fetishes, things, because. The spirit is in everything.
0: Mm -hmm. That's one of the themes that I noticed in this book, this Mm -hmm. constant talking about the body embodied, Mm -hmm. body, body, body. (laughs) I can say from experience, when I was in Bali, we actually went and did a ceremony. Our Airbnb guests were just like, uh, our hosts were just like, oh, why don't you come with us? My friend and I, we hadn't eaten the whole day, and yet the movement in the ceremony was so spiritually fulfilling mm-hmm. yeah. that our bodies didn't feel yeah. empty. Yeah. So I think about how there's so much drug addiction, overeating, all this other stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. and I'm thinking, okay, it's. I don't think it's just that people want to consume, mm-hmm. I think it's they're trying to fill something. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's something that your book touches on. When we talked last time, it was about the occulted body, mm-hmm. this um, deep, dark body, yeah. it yeah. also has
1: needs. It yeah. needs to be seen, it needs yeah. to be recognised.
2: As we're always saying, I mean, the body is the primary magical tool. You have a body, you don't need to, like, you know, you don't need to go on Etsy and buy yourself, like, a thousand, you know, wands with crystals sticking out of them. You don't need to, like, consume. You have you have your most potent magical tool, um, and that's where that's where your work needs to begin, because that's where your work will also end.
1: Um, it's the, this interface between the body and the tool. So yep. the tool is an extension of the body, mm-hmm. and... When you use a sword, then it's your body using the sword, and the, the sword extends into space what the body's intent is, what the mind and the body is intended. But to do that properly, to, to, to direct energy with a wand or a sword, one has to be connected with the energy through one's body and also focus with concentration. So these are embodied techniques. Yeah. Even when you're even when the focus is on tools, they they're, they're they're just objects until you use them. The body is always making itself. The body is making itself in doing things. And at the same time as it makes the physical body, it's giving you your like subjective self. Because you're coming through yourself and encountering the world, the environment. Because we're never just alone. We're in an environment full of other agencies, whether they're spiritual, people, animals, trees. There are other mm. things that are wind, air, elements. All of these things are... Interacting with us all the time, and we are pushing into them, and they're pushing back.
0: And I think it's one of your essays you talk about how, as we're destroying the earth, I mean, we don't realize that we're actually destroying our
2: magic. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. Yeah. When you lose species, you lose species cultures. You lose you lose the magic of those species as well. You, loo- you when lose you lose
1: languages. You, yeah. you lose the magic that goes with the languages.
2: The advice for people is always to start at a really local level in terms of understanding who they are and, and, and their place in the world and that means like that means the plants and the trees around you. Um, if you're living in a city, the cracks are like full of plant life, mm-hmm. you know. And you have to understand what these species are, what they're doing, why they're surviving, you know, what you can learn from them, even in it even in a denatured, you know urban environment you can find these things you can relate to work the weather you can understand the weather so when you're talking about these magicians who are who are doing the I'm God Almighty I can control everything it's it's like fuck you guys because um, if
1: as a surfer you as, as a
2: surfer as a mountain biker as a snowboarder like I've I'm I'm always out in elemental conditions with the elementals like the lowest spirits and they will fucking kill you and they don't care <laughs> They do not yeah. care and they will kill you. Yeah. And if you don't have that experience and you're just living in your urban pad and you're you're playing your I'm the ruler of the universe game, no. you're just a deluded schmuck.
0: You're talking a little bit about how I was in Bali and you've surfed yeah. in Bali and I remember you talking about um, you almost drowned a couple of times. Yeah,
2: yeah, I've had a few. And
0: so you understand that nature literally
2: yeah, yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, no, it doesn't care. It will hold you against the sea bottom. And you're there as long as it wants to hold you there, you know. Mm-hmm. And that your will
1: is not going to. Your will,
2: your will is <laughs> not yeah. same. I mean, the, the, the critical thing, um, a lot of the ideas in the Red Goddess when I'm writing about ideas of like surrender and letting go is like, you know, the, the, one of the critical mag- magical formulas working with, with Babel and working with spirit. You have to learn to surrender. And one way to learn to surrender is place yourself in an elemental position where, where mm-hmm. you have no choice. You know if you if you're being drowned um, and you thrash around you just burn more oxygen you burn more oxygen you're not going to come out of it the only way to come out of these things is to understand that you, you you have to be in your center and you have to surrender to the experience physiologically like I'm driven to, to looking for quite extreme states that, that's just my my personal thing I, it's not something that I want to impose on on other people, you'll find that in yoga. You go to a yoga class and if you're actually present and breathing and working your asana, it'll kick your ass. And these are the things that have have fallen out of magic and they've fallen out of magic as we're in a, an increasingly digital culture where people, people are trying to signal online, they're just taking pretty pictures of things um, and they're not understanding that behind the ability to, to perform magical acts and to cultivate magical power is like the slow, personal, like unglamorous work. The repetition, the um, the the slow conquest, the 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 grind. The grind. You've got to embrace the grind, mm-hmm. you know. And embracing the grind also means embracing the suck. It means it means you know Sucking accepting that you suck <laughs> at things, and that doesn't make a great Instagram picture.
0: I think that's one of the blocks for a lot of my audience. So they they want to learn more about magic, but. First, it's intimidating. Secondly, when they try to get help, it's sort of like everybody's like
2: you don't know this already you come to magic and there's a really high bar to entry in terms of the, the yeah. amount the amount of books you're meant to have read yeah. um, everyone presents as a everyone presents as an expert so the big joke yeah. in publishing is that if you want to <laughs> sell a book you call it advanced black magic if you if you don't want <laughs> to sell a book you say you say a beginner's basic guide to because everyone wants to jump immediately to the, the higher level um, and no one no one wants to come forward and say, I'm a beginner, I'm neophyte, because all of these jumped-up idiots on the internet are presenting themselves as already experts.
1: I think because of the difficult... how to prove if your magic is working, mm-hmm. so people have to present success all the time, or that they don't fail, I don't know, something like that. It's quite subjective magic.
2: You know, the fashion is for people to to frame their magic in terms of how authentic it is, how how close, for example, it is to, you know, the operating procedure of a particular grimoire. Everyone's magic is different. Everyone comes, everyone everyone is on their own personal journey. There are points of similarity and there are huge points of difference. And one of the reasons that we wanted to put out, um, put out brazen is to also to show process, to show that over this 10 year period, our ideas have shifted and changed. Now, or ideas evolved. will continue yeah. to evolve and change rather than the idea that, that, you know, this is the finished product at this point. No, it's process, it's always process. And a, a regular practice in a diary is like the classical way to do that rather than the number of likes you get for a post. That doesn't mean that I criticize people who've grown up on the internet and are trying to find who they are and are trying to learn who they are by putting oh, things no, up on the internet. Connect with other people, that's really valuable. You know, to find the other stage of magic is really useful as well.
1: I think what you're saying about this uh, beginner's mind and empty state is really important because what I find a lot is that most people I engage with are always at least half full. They've taken so much in that this continual like returning to the beginner's mind of emptying yourself, of, of um, challenging your own ideas, things that you've become comfortable in, so yeah. finding, finding states where you challenge your own comfort, where you, you question things, where you, you empty yourself periodically so that you can... And this is very part of meditation, just sort mm-hmm. of the, the quieting of the mind, but just in terms of... So that you can receive from people and also so that you can discern what you're receiving. Because I think when you get hyper-stimulated... This is the same with eating. If you're hyper-stimulated by lots of different flavors, you keep, keep eating. And the same with... Um, Social media and all of the sort of the signals that people are putting out and saying like learn from me and uh, I've got this and uh, Come to me. It's You can take from everything and end up never really Fusing it into your own body like actually embodying what you need and taking what you need from it Because in magic, it's it's really hard to discern the good from the bad. I mean you have to be centered in yourself so you can be discerning I think discernment is also a very, very feminine skill. Mm. So as well, Western magic has this completely distorted idea about what femininity is, Mm. and the idea of being receptive is seen to be passive. It's seen to be negative. Like you're not active, you're passive. Whereas you know the real thing is in like the (laughs) active male. You're Mm. just taking it right. But actually, being receptive. Is being discerning. Discernment is is critical and I think this is critical in like working with Babylon and Babylon magic because Mm. to have this ability to receive... uh, so uh, so I work a lot with the trance state and so to receive the spirit one has to empty oneself it's very much like the the Greek concept of kenosis so the the spirit comes into you because you're empty so you find a state of emptiness and I use physical techniques for this very, very important to have that openness in order for the divine, the sacred, the spirit to manifest in the world, to come through the body, because it's invisible otherwise. This is part of the occulted body, is so much is invisible, but how we see it is through the body. We see the invisible through the body.
2: And that's the other reason that we wanted to put all the images of artists dancing in the book, because... Magic in Western tradition tends to be so text-based that um, the the physical aspects of practice get 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 ignored. They get treated as if they're something like incidental, because mm-hmm. largely because like moribund, like male magicians don't do it. <laughs>
1: we're we're embodied all the time. It's just that it's invisible to us, or it's an inconvenience, or yeah. it's pain. so people put it aside and don't recognize that this is the primary tool this is the this is the first thing
0: a lot of people do magic especially when you're starting out to feel good Mm. Mm. magic real magic can be terrifying Mm. chaotic
1: i think we say this in the the preface there are two things that drive magic need and desire Mm. so like the desire for knowledge the desire for something and need and i think that's really the only criteria I can describe uh, that is <laughs> behind what, what magic is. Knowing what those things are, recognizing them, then confronting them or finding them.
0: One of the things that's interesting about this book is that it's between the two of you. Like these articles came out through a yeah. collaboration uh, between the two of you, like in a partnership that's professional, romantic, spiritual, magical. And that's kind of like goals, right? Hashtag goals to find (laughs) to find a partner who supports you in all those ways. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think especially he had been introduced by a mutual friend, and like he's a magician and a a, a ninjutsu. What what what, what do you do, ninjutsu? So I was just like, okay, someone I can have fun with, and then throw away. Like, what is this magic thing? So, so I just spent all the time sort of provoking yeah. you and testing you. I was like just endlessly shit-testing you. Yeah. Oh, no, I do that too, to see
0: what the guy will do. And, yeah. and when she was testing you, like, what did you do?
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with these kind of high-pressure situations. My
1: body knew, but my mind was completely resistant to it. My heart was very closed at the time because I'd been hurt. I'd been through difficult relationships. Um, I was dealing with a lot of mistrust of people, um, and I had huge issues. I just never.
2: And I, and I think also, <laughs> I mean, because you've had disclosure on this before, because Arca's is bipolar, um, it's it's been. I don't like bipolar. It's, I know it's it's, it's, it's but it's simply risk. because it's a term that people understand. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's taken quite a process to to <laughs> find ways to support her through her. Through her creative process and being, because her, her, her <laughs> energy goes up and down a lot, you know, which means that Sometimes
1: I'm a dancer, but sometimes I literally can't move. Sometimes Peter mm. takes me for a walk and he's holding me, like, he's literally supporting me and I'm taking steps like this. This is what people don't see and I don't, like, talk about it. Mm. Peter's been incredibly supportive of that and enabled me to actually be productive and creative.
2: You know, I think it's also helpful to share that because people,
1: yeah, people often perfect. think,
2: oh, you know, Alice is thin, she's pretty. Obviously, she's got everything. You know, mm-hmm. life must be easy, everything must be okay, and it's you no, know, it, you, know, you can it's still not... get
1: stuff done. You can still be productive in the world. You can still like, no matter what. It's it's important to know that, even if it just means you do. One small thing a day, but it's that kind of Chinese energy thing? There's like one sheet of paper, another sheet of paper, another sheet of paper, and eventually becomes something.
2: Yeah. but people
1: people who are drawn to magic, people who are drawn to magic, they to magic do to
2: do with magic, they generally they have these things that they need to work on, that they have to work on and find in them themselves. And sometimes that can get lost in the in the posturing or the book collecting or the you know all the or, you know all the signaling. Mm-hmm. Um, but a core. You have to find and work on those things yourself or if you you're lucky, your you know, demons. with a lover or with, like, with, you know, a few close friends. You know, these are, these are you know, finding finding the others, finding your peers, um, finding the places in which you can experience these things. Hopefully people will be able to see that our words counterpoint each other, that, that, that what I say and what Alcaster say, um, they both kind of illuminate each other. You know and 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 you get um you get a more balanced perspective as a result of like reading both of our perspectives i can project quite quite um, a masculine identity um you know and my writing can sometimes be quite confrontational um and polemic some of my some of my words quite polemical um so it's very easy for people to um to, to criticize me and decide, that, uh, and decide that, that I'm this ultra masculine character and of course men are the, the, the devil <laughs> and it's quite easy to be, um, to be castigated for that but when you see our work in relationship you can understand that there's a dialectic that there's a, a process that there's a dialogue going in on between these aspects
1: my, my interest in working with Peter has been very much about bringing this energy that's been so shut down in the West mm-hmm. back into like the world because I think, that's, I think that's in all women, I think it's in all men, and they do it in their own way. So I don't think Babylon is just female energy, I think Babylon is sex. And I think it's very necessary for it to work, absolutely, uninhibitedly, through the female body. But also through the male, because the male and the female together, like, the, male, the female energy, when she's fully in bloom, controls the male energy. I love male energy, actually. I absolutely love masculine energy in all its flavours. But for that to fully be, and not to be something which, like, just goes out of control and damages other people, men and women, the female energy has to be completely strong and unhindered and allowed to be. And that's women's responsibility to, like, bring that through and just do that. I don't think men need to, like, Shut up and 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 like step back, no, we need all these kind of energies in the mix yeah. in the vessel
2: we have a lot of um, queer and trans people who like respond really powerfully to our work, so you know occasionally because you know we're a you know heterosexual couple' um, we'll be you know there's some criticism because you're heterosexual and it's like well no actually Stop the majority persuading. the majority the, the, the majority of, the majority of the people who who Read the Red Goddess, are women, the, and some of our longest supporters are, are trans queer, women. trans people, sexual outlaws people, because they've, they've had to explore these energies from their own bodies. So yeah. when we talk about things in a gendered way, we talk about them in a gendered way because that's our experience.
1: But at, at its root, the sexual energy is not differentiated. Yeah.
0: Right.
1: It's just working through different bodies, so whatever your body is, is expressing that. Yeah. And that that energy is, is is working with the body, whatever the body is. Yeah. Because when you touch someone's body, you're really seeing them. You're really, really seeing into them. And the more you do it, also the more you hone it, the more lucid it becomes, the more clear. You can this, you can see into the occulted body. You can literally see into the body. It's not just about like penis in vagina, or yeah. penis in asshole, or whatever, it's, like, it's not just about penetration, but the penetration can be, I'm penetrating Peter now, i put putting the energy, the energy is going in, I'm seeing him, I feel him, I know him, so am I always being penetrated, at the same time I do that, it's in me, there's, there's, no, there's no, you can't cut yourself off from it, you can't cut yourself off from your environment. It's, so this is for me what the sexual energy is
2: when we're presenting these ideas we're not presenting these ideas in a in a in a way that it, it has to be in a you know that it has not to be all. male and female i mean not at all and that hasn't been the case in the magical community for Sometime. 20 30 years i
1: think one of the problems with the identity politics is that it puts people in very fixed categories and it was never like that. I mean yeah. I grew up responding to queer culture much more strongly than to anything in the mainstream, so I was very fascinated by Lee Bowery and by Michael Clark, and they just they were like yeah. gods to me. It wasn't about like who you fuck, it was about how you relate to the world, how you relate to other people, and this is why I don't really consider myself heterosexual because <sighs> Like why I don't feel limited like that. I don't feel.
2: You don't know, feel cut off from the erotic potential of the world. That's no, I don't feel everything. Yeah,
1: from women, from men, from, from everything. Objects, what from... Was it? I, I said to you that time. I shouted out in, in Brighton people laughed outside. Like everything is an aphrodisiac. I, mean, I, I just, like, said this like a sort of euphoria and we heard, like, some guys laughing outside, like, this is such a bright and town, But, you know, really, this relationship to the world is purely erotic and that's... It, it can find expression in, in, in penetration, but yeah. it can find expression in so many other ways, too. And I,
2: I think the thing that also sometimes gets missed in our work is that... Um, the experience of penetration is something that's important for men, too. Um, by which I mean anything which penetrates a man. So, um, like, um, needles, um, cutting, like, um, emotions. Like, men aren't very good at, like, receiving these things. And so I think it's very important for for men to work on their their own receptivity, you know. Touch. touch you know doesn't have to be fucked in the it. ass with a strap on it means that it means that that men have to also find the ability to listen with their bodies and to and and to to find that feminine energy within them and to work with feminine energy in that way that that
1: receptive listening that, that
2: receptivity and that listening which is which is one of the things that tends to get blunted out of the male experience.
1: The, the way that some women try to, some feminist ideology has tried to uh, find a space for itself beyond what it considers to be a masculine language, which I don't consider language to be masculine, language arose because of because of culture, which came out of menstrual blood, you know. <laughs> you know, it's it, The symbolic world arose out of the analogue, out of uh, things that are like each other, out of sympathia, which is what we work with with magic. You know, whole of magic is sympathia before you get to symbol and language. So language is also based in this analogue and in this likeness and sympathia. And that's ultimately rooted in women's culture that comes out of their menstruation, so I'm not ceding language to men, I'm having language as well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I find a lot of the, the, the feminine ideology, feminist ideology to be too um, languaged without being recognizing what bodies do. It's that simple. I mean there's uh, my favourite writer on this is Maxine Sheets Johnson and I think everybody should read. Like, everybody should read her at school because she talks about, like, the roots of power, the roots of morality, um, the roots of thinking, about the primacy of the body and uh, and movement. And her work is really, I think, critically important to address, like, what a body actually is and what how our meanings are elaborated through bodies. Men and women both contain these energies. We yeah. both know this. We both know this in such a deep level. We know this in our bones so that... It's just that we, we we emerge into the world and we're wearing masks. You know, there is there is performativity. We are always performing, but that doesn't that doesn't mean there isn't a real body underneath it. So like for example, some of the influence of Judith Butler's ideas on like the sort of modern ideas of who oh we're just there's no such thing as sex, we're we're just performing. It's like yes, we are just performing, we're all performing all of the time and we can perform in anyways Mm. in a a, a complete myriad of ways but underneath that performance is a body that's performing the beauty of culture is that we can choose to perform as we wish we can choose what face to give to the world Mm.
2: and magic is magic's clearly like one of those spaces that people engage in performativity you know and people engage in taking on these different identities and taking on in theory, being able to take on um, different spirits, being able to be possessed and work through different forces. I mean, this is an amazing, it's an amazingly powerful cultural tool for us to, to gain that degree of plasticity and that sense of interrelation to everything in the world to stop seeing ourselves as, as absolutely isolated individuals, which is one of the mistakes that I see male magicians in particular making. Um, in that they, they see themselves as this as this sealed unit from which they are controlling the world. And that isn't the case. <laughs> the experience is that everything is constantly interpenetrated. We're constantly trafficking with entities. We're constantly like being taken over by things. We're constantly flowing through things. And um, to be a magician means that you should be able to become formless. You should be able to... You should be able to flow, you should be able to like move between these states and discriminate and understand when when things are are coming through you and then to be able to become an active player in the game.
1: But always the focus is on Babylon because she represents this entirety of woman, including everything that was forbidden. But which is there. And so I felt that if I went and explored her mysteries through my body, which is the only there is no text. So that's why my work has been exclusively with the body. Text written by a man that there's too many problems with. It's structurally wrong. It's structurally wrong at the very core. Mm. So the only way I could find it out was to go into my body, to find Babylon in my body. Through So like I was talking to you before, like using the body as a text. Not a book, the body. And reading my body.
0: And that's, I think, the the again, the main message that I received from Brazen Vessel mm. was about that body, 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 mm. and about the feminine modes of magic that are yet to be yeah. talked about, discovered, mm. transmitted.
1: I would hope that it would be picked up and read in that way. Mm. I mean, I'm not, I don't want people to... <laughs> I
2: mean, we try to be very careful in our work, um, never to tell people what to do, never to say that this is the only way, or you must do this, or you must be like us. I, th- I think we really want people to, to to see the process that we're yeah. going through and to be able to read themselves into it and find their own their own method of practicing. We don't want to just talk to people who are interested in working with with Babylon in this like highly sexualized way. That's just something that's specific to us. It's not something that we want to like impose upon other people in the world. Yeah. Everyone's got to find their own path. But we want to be able to show this process and show show this this um this discourse between you know a male and a and a female body and how we're finding our way through this so that people can find their own inspiration people can they can find the confidence to discover the magic within their own bodies within their own path and understand that they they also have this process to go through and yeah. to find
1: their own ways to language it yeah. however that is you know it doesn't have to even be through words but yeah even through words I don't think women I think we need to to speak more, and to talk more, and to write more, and communicate, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be based in language of like words. Music it
0: kind of cuts through the the, mm-hmm. la- the cerebral aspects of language, yeah, and it gets right to the visceral sense, maybe yeah. to the occulted body, mm-hmm. the occulted ear, absolutely, maybe. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So okay. The question would be, if you had to choose three songs that represent Raising Vessel, what would they be?
1: Children of God by Swans. Uh, because also I found very interesting uh, the creative relationship between Michael Jira and Jobo, who uh, the sort of at that point in Swan's uh, manifestation, like the sort of the creative energy at the heart of it, and it's really fascinating. And it's really, really deep and really powerful music. What about the second song? Um, anything by Muslim, of course. Not right. So hypnotic and and I just love the, the there's a dialogue happening in it because there's it's taken from a film called the silences of the palace which is a very feminine film about the experience of this girl who returns to the place where she was born and grew up when the the prince that lived there died so it's like that this female space and the film explores this female space so this this uh, song particularly samples this dialogue going on in the quite low in the mix so that this is a hypnotic beat and then there's this dialogue between two voices a male and a female and it's just it does something very it puts you in a very liminal state and third it
2: has to be, demanded, it? It has
1: to be Dim on the Glass <laughs> okay Dim on the Glass was my first concert I took my mum to see her when I was 15 <laughs> row in front of like the, the speaker <laughs> and she came on and she's just like she owned the stage from the moment she stepped on it and she basically established for me at that age that when I needed someone in my life in my in my knowledge like just to know it existed in the world and she walked on stage it was like that's her I can also be who I am in the world she has absolutely She's just a force of nature,
2: mm.
1: a force of nature.
2: <laughs> That's an easy listening kind of story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and guys, I will definitely list down below uh, the link to Brazen Vessel. Of course, they run Scarlet Imprint, which is an incredible uh, magic publishing house. And what's great is that they do these like, uh, limited edition, like hardcovers that are Charismatic, the, the actual books. But then for those of us who are just starting out in magic, maybe you know you're still, you know, living at home and you don't have a lot of money, they also do paperback.
1: And we have digital editions, And
0: digital and digital as well. So this information is accessible to everybody. And again, like the book, it is a collection of essays from a 10-year period. Yeah about as long as you guys have been together pretty yeah. much
2: yeah.
0: yeah that's so sweet <laughs> guys thank you so thank you. much thank
2: you,
0: thank you too thank you. Yeah. hey everyone thank you so much for listening to the witches and wine audio experience If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting me on Patreon. You can choose between a few membership tiers. They're super affordable and flexible. Your membership helps me continue making videos, podcasts, articles, lots of different things about all the sweet witchy stuff. Links are in the show notes. Also, don't forget to go on iTunes and give this a five-star rating. Each five-star rating helps rank this podcast higher in searches so that as many witches can find and enjoy these episodes as well. Until next time, this is Chawan, signing off.